Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. You know, uh, a a week or two ago, uh, we called the church for a week of prayer and fasting. In particular, that we would reach a certain number of people in the sanctuary on Resurrection Sunday. And because we're on live stream, I don't want to say what the number was, but we've exceeded the number. Hallelujah. So give the Lord a hand clap. Whatever that number is, God, God has a number in mind. And so praise the Lord for that. We welcome you and greet you in the name of the Lord today. Uh, this will be a special sermon. Uh, we will have our kids ministry going on during the sermon today. Before we, sh- we start, we have a short video to share with you right now. It's been three days. I can still see the pain, the strain, the blood that drained that day at Calvary. They pierced his hands, his feet, for all to see this man, this king, this Jesus. This tangible passion, this relentless abandon, this love, this hope. Was gone. But Jesus wasn't finished yet. Today, today the stone's been rolled away. The grave has lost its claim of victory. Death has given way to life, to grace. Our sin replaced, erased by mercy. Hope is alive, mercy can thrive, revive, bring to life the hearts of men. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen. Please, if you can... uh... Take your Bible or your Bible app, whatever you have, and turn with me to Matthew 28. We want to read the story of the very first Resurrection Sunday. And I've entitled the message today, Who Are You Looking For? So Matthew 28, starting at verse number 1, says it like this. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake... For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. Can we just think about that that for a moment? His countenance was like lightning. You know what lightning looks like? It's like... His countenance was just radiant. His clothes were like white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. 
You ever, you ever know the, the phrase being slain in the spirit? They were slain in the very presence of God. These angels had been in the, in the presence of God. They were radiant. Their presence alone caused these guards to fall down like they were dead. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you have come to seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Think about it. Fear and joy. Fear like, oh, but joy saying, oh, something special. Fear and great joy. And they ran to bring the disciples' word. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, use this sermon today to bring your truth into our hearts. Whether we're in-house or on live stream, may the word of God do a work deeply in our hearts, each one of us. We pray, Lord, that in the process, you will be glorified, you will be honored, you will be exalted, and your people will be edified and built up because of your word today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, this is the greatest news The greatest news in all of history. Verse number six. He is not here for he is risen just as he said. The account is listed in all four of the gospels. Let me just bring you up to speed on what the other gospels say. Mark adds to the story. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Luke adds another little component to it. As the ladies were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. He says in Luke 24, the angel said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, when he said the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered what Jesus had said. John adds this in John chapter 20. Then the angel said to the woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she, thinking he was the gardener, said, if you carried him away, tell me and I'll go find him. And Jesus turned her way and said, Mary. And she turned around and said, Rabboni. And she recognized the Lord when he called her name. And so the ladies were the first ones to come to the tomb that day. They heard the news. They ran back and told the apostles. And one gospel says they told all the other believers that were there. They told anyone they could. In the meantime, the chief priest had offered a bribe to the soldiers that were guarding the tomb. They said to them, tell everyone that his followers came to steal the body. We'll pay you. And if your authorities come against you, we'll defend you in this story we're concocting. They took the money. So they told the apostles and they told the other believers. And it says in one gospel that they thought that they were hearing idle tales. They didn't believe it. But John and Peter were stirred in their heart. 
And, and John and Peter quickly ran to the tomb to see for themselves. John got there first and stooped down to look in. Peter came in from behind and came running into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes there and the face wrapping there folded up in a corner. And then John came in. The, the gospel says John saw and he believed. So for 40 days, Jesus appeared to many, several times, to Peter, to Thomas, to James, to the eleven, to ten at a time, to the two on the road to Emmaus. Paul said he appeared to 500 people at one time. Acts tells us that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen during those 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It was during this time that Jesus gave the great commission to go into all the world, preach this gospel. He said, all authority has been given to me. I've conquered death. I'm alive today, but I'm commissioning you to go into all the world and preach this message. He also said, don't go just yet. I'm going to go away. Don't go just yet. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. So he said, go into all the world, teach them, baptize them. You know, preach the word of God to every nation, every tongue. Preach the word. But don't go just yet until you receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus went up into glory. The angel said, why are you looking at him going into glory? Don't you know the same way he's going up, he will come back once again. Ten days from that day, the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles as they were waiting in the upper room to receive this power. Oh, they received the power, all right. They spoke in other tongues, and they were emboldened to proclaim the good news. And they were preaching and baptizing people, and we are doing the same thing till this very day. So praise the Lord. The resurrection is the greatest day in history. And I want to ask you a question, church. Who are you looking for? Who do you look for on this day? I want to point you to Jesus. He's the suffering king, but he's the risen Savior. He's the Lamb of God, but he's the Lion from the tribe of Judah. He's the crucified one, but he's alive on the third day. He was buried, he was risen, and he's coming back again. And that's a promise. I want to show you Jesus today. Now the Gospels present the story, the account of the resurrection. The epistles bring application to the resurrection. So turn with me, if you can, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just want to share a little, little bit from this chapter. But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives perfect application to what the resurrection means for every believer. We have an outline on the screen, verses 1 through 4. Look at verse number 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Can I tell you something? The greatest news you've ever heard in your life, in my life, is when someone declared to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the most precious news we could ever hear. Paul says, I I declared it to you. And then he says, I preached it to you. I like that part because I like to preach. He wasn't just stating facts. He was proclaiming the word of God in preaching style to them. It says in verse number one that they received it. Right? They received the gospel. They were standing in the gospel. Verse number two says they were saved by the gospel. Right? Uh, verse number two, if you hold the fast, the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul says, look, I, I preached to you. I delivered the gospel to you. Listen, if you've heard the gospel today, you're a blessed person. 
What you do with it is your business. There's people in other parts of the world that have never heard the gospel. If you've heard the gospel, you're a blessed person. You're fortunate. You're fortunate. And now it's up to us to do something with this gospel. Paul said, I I declared it. I preached it. You received it. You're standing in the gospel. Yeah. That means you're living your life for God. You're standing in the gospel. And you're saved by the gospel. But verses 3 and 4 says, I deliver to you first of all, that which I received. Paul has these revelations. Paul received this from the Lord. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul knew the scriptures, right? Old Testament scripture. He knew. He knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of all those prophecies, all those things in the Old Testament. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's what we call good news. So Paul, trying to address the church, go down to verse number 12. I'll just paraphrase. He says to the church in Corinth, and and the Holy Spirit would say to the, the church of today, How can you preach Christ is resurrected if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead? How can you preach Christ resurrected if you don't believe in eternal life? How can you preach Jesus is alive if you don't believe in the afterlife? And then he goes on a series of, I call them, if-then statements, verses 13 through 19. He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, Christ is not risen. They're, They're inextricably linked together. They're joined together. He arose, we will rise one day. That's the gospel. He said, if Christ is not risen, just follow along. If Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty. I don't want to preach an empty gospel. And I know you don't want to hear an empty gospel. You don't want to hear somebody full of hot air. You want to hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ. But if Christ isn't risen, our preaching is empty. Our faith is empty. If Christ is not risen, we become false witnesses of God. If Christ is not risen, he says, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. So Calvary would be of no effect if Christ did not rise. If Christ is not risen, it says in verse number 19, we're the most pitied people of all. If we just live for this life and we die and that's the end, we're the most pitied people of all. And you know, unfortunately, there's that line of thinking going on in Christendom today even. That this is it. When we die, that's it. No, no, no. Christ arose and because he arose, we will arise. So verse number 20 is one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. But now Christ is risen from the dead. So we can't say our faith is empty, our preaching is empty, and so on. Because Christ is risen and he's become the first fruits of many. So I want to ask you, who are you looking for to solve your problems? Who are you looking for to give you direction and guidance? Are you waiting for someone to placate you, to appease you, to pat you on the back, to tell you everything's going to be okay, and to tell you things that you want to hear, and then go behind your back and stab you in the back? That's not Jesus. Do you want someone to build your life upon a rock, a stabilizer, a deliverer, someone faithful and loving and supportive always? Someone full of mercy and full of compassion, full of wisdom, the giver of good gifts to those that believe in him. Do you want to find someone that's living today that could help you? Let me point you to Jesus. He's the risen king. He's the glorious savior. He's the one who's coming soon. Hallelujah. So if you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for Jesus, if you have a space in your heart 
that's unsatisfied, unfulfilled. If you're looking for something, someone that could help you with your particular issue. And you know what? We've all got issues. Everyone say issue with me. Issue. We all have issues. (laughs) But whatever we have, if you want to find Jesus, first of all, I want to encourage you, come running to the empty tomb. Run to the tomb. See that he's not there. The one we're looking for is alive today. He's not in the tomb. The ladies came first. They came. They were moved. They went back. They told everybody. Peter and John got the message, and they came running to the tomb. And what I'm about to say is not in the Bible. It's in my mind, okay? So just bear that in mind. I always pictured John younger than Peter. I always see Peter as a little bit, you know, a little bit clumsy and just bogged down with his cloak and everything. And, and I see them taken off to the tomb and John way outruns him. He gets to the tomb first. But John kind of pauses and looks in. Here comes Peter running from behind, all out of breath. This isn't in the Bible, believe me. It's in my mind. I saw it in a movie, I think. But Peter, Peter doesn't pause. He comes running into the tomb. And he sees the clothes, and he sees the face wrapping folded. And, and then John comes in. And, and John 28, it says, then John, when he saw the empty tomb, he believed. There's something about realizing the tomb is empty. You ever notice that the body of Jesus was never found? There's no body. There's no lasting tomb. There's no burial plot. There's no headstone. Every other prophet or teacher was laid to rest. It will stay that way until the resurrection of the dead, when the rapture happens. Jesus was three days in the tomb. And old Joseph gave that tomb away. He got his tomb back because now the tomb was empty again. Jesus appeared to Peter. He appeared to James. He appeared to 500 at a time. He appeared to Thomas. Thomas wasn't there one time when Jesus appeared to the eleven. Or to the ten, I think it was. And, 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 and Thomas said to the, the others, he said, I'm not going to believe. I hear all this stuff. I'm not going to believe it until I could touch the, the, where the nails went in his hand and put my hand in his side. I won't, I won't believe it until I could see it. Well, that's a very drastic thing to say, and the, the Lord hears that. All right, Thomas, you want to see it? Jesus made a special point to appear to Thomas. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, put your hands where the nails went in. Put your hand in the side where the spear went in. And what did Thomas do when he did that? He turned to the Lord. He said, oh, my Lord and my God, seeing is believing. And Jesus said, Thomas, you're blessed because you see and you believe. But blessed are those who have never seen and yet they believe. I'm telling you, church, we've got to come to the empty tomb. Who are you looking for? The tomb is empty. You you won't find Jesus on a shelf in the library. You won't find Jesus in a Google search. You won't find Jesus in a beautifully decorated church with stained glass windows. He's out of the tomb. Scripture tells us that Jesus is still seeking and saving those that are lost. Can anyone say amen to that? He sought after me and found me, praise God. He's comforting those who are burdened and heavy laden. He's bringing hope to the hopeless, love to the loveless, freedom to the oppressed, salvation and peace of mind to the lost, healing to the sick of body, soul, and spirit. Peter said it best in 1 Peter 1.3, that God has begotten us to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who are you looking for? If you're looking for Jesus, come to the tomb and see that it's empty. Many years ago, Reverend Billy Graham said the same thing. Listen to how he said it. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body, they saw the angel sitting there, and they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire. That a man had risen from the dead. That he was alive. That death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Man, that was good preaching right there. So if you want to find Jesus, you got to go to the empty tomb. You also have to find the risen king. You have to find the risen king. Uh, back in the day, you know, I was, I was searching for a risen king. I didn't even know I was searching, but I was searching. I studied with the Jehovah's Witnesses for a while. I studied with the Way International for a little bit. I almost studied with the Moonies, but God delivered me in a nick of time. Praise God. I read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, back in those days. I read another book called None Dare Call It Conspiracy. These books pointed to Jesus. I was searching. I was looking for a king. I was searching. Pamela and I, back in those days, we watched the the Franco Zeffirelli movie, Jesus of Nazareth. It was on like Sunday through Friday of that week, of that holy week. And our hearts were stirred. I'm telling you, our hearts were moved. We were searching. And my friend Lenny pointed me to Jesus when he said, Rick, man, you got to get right with God. I said, all right, Lenny, show me how to do that. He's told me. My search was over. I found the risen king. I know I found him because he changed my heart. And my heart was wicked and evil and messed up and confused. But God came in and gave me peace. Hallelujah. Gave me peace. You know, the second greatest thing after my salvation was my getting married to my wife. We got married about six weeks later. And Bama has been my, my greatest gift after salvation. We moved to North Carolina. You may have heard this, but one, one, one night we're brand new Christians and we're living out on a farm, uh, like a, a cow farm. We were, we were hearing cows at night, believe it or not. Yeah, we're from New York. You know, the only cows I heard were way upstate somewhere. But anyway, there's cows outside. And one, one night I went outside and I, I leaned on the fence where the cows were. I looked up at the stars Man, North Carolina has the most stars I've ever seen in my life. And the, the Lord just whispered in my spirit, you see how clear that is? 
That's how I'm making your mind and your spirit. I'll never forget it. God was real in my heart and still is real in my life. He brings clarity and hope to me, even today. Jesus said one time, if you seek, you'll find. I always tell people that are having a, 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 a doubt in their faith. You know what? If you're really sincere about finding the Lord, if you're really sincere about finding the will of God for your life, he will definitely show it to you. Seek and you will find. It's not hard to find the face of God. It's not hard to see God at work in the, in the world today. We, we see him in the eyes of someone that really cares about us. You ever notice when someone cares about you and they look at you, you can see Christ in their eyes. You can see Christ in the face of a newborn baby. Come on. You can see Christ in the, in the formation of a beautiful little life, of which we've seen many in the last several months. I see the little spurty-owned baby over there. God bless you. And I, we, could see the, 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 we could see God in hands extended, giving someone a glass of water. We could, see him, we could see him in the ears of those who will listen to our problems and our plight. We see Jesus when Christians are feeding the hungry and visiting the prisoners and clothing the poor and helping the downtrodden. We can hear him too. When we pray, he answers When we praise him, the scripture says he sings over us. I love that when that happens. A friend of mine used to call that high praise. We're praising God. It's like it goes to regular praise to like, woohoo, now we're really praising God. I think at that moment, God's beginning to sing back to us. He's singing over us as we're singing to him. When we hear in our spirit that still small voice that says, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ. And we're waiting for the day when we'll hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in, enter into my rest. So we've got to find the risen king. Where is the risen king? Someone might say he's not in a building, but Jesus said, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Someone might say, you'll never find Jesus in a book, but Jesus would say, I am the book. I am the word. Someone might say, you'll never find Jesus on the streets. And every time you read the Gospels, you see Jesus on the streets ministering to people. You, you, someone will say, you, you never will find Jesus with the downtrodden. But for the very reason Jesus came was to minister those who are hurting and outcast and broken. And you can find the risen king. If you have any degree of good fortune, it's because God has blessed you. If you have any good health, it's because God has given you good health. If you have any degree of prosperity in this life, it's because God gave it to you. If you have any degree of success, it's because Jesus gave it to you. The living Savior. You've got to find the risen King. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 18, as we uh, get ready for the banner ministry. Paul wrote this. Listen to this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Oh, what a statement. He's the image. How, how could an image of something invisible? It's like, he, but he's, he's the personification of the living God. He's the firstborn over all creation. By him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and all things were created for him. Let me tell you something. You were created for God. I was created for God. Until we come to that place of recognizing, why am I here? I'm here because God made me with a purpose. 
Until we get to that place, we'll be looking for love in all the wrong places, church. Well, we, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him, all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might receive the preeminence. If you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for Jesus, he's alive today, you've got to find the risen king. You may even find him in the face of a child.
Thank you, children. Thank you, Stacy, for putting that together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You can see Jesus in the face of the children. Amen. I just got word that um, we need to pause for a moment and pray. I just got word that one of our ladies was uh, taken to the hospital just a little while ago. She was here. Uh, this is Bethany Nato's mother-in-law, Joe's mother, Lisa, um, feeling like uh, something was happening, like uh, something she wasn't feeling well. And she was afraid she was having a stroke, so they took her to the hospital. Can we pray for her right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, Jesus, the living Savior, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to Lisa, to her husband, Norman, to the doctors, to the medical team at the hospital. Let them know what to do to help. But, Lord God, may your presence envelop her right now. Take care of her, Lord, whatever's going on with her. Let her feel peace in body, soul, and spirit. Lord, as we're proclaiming your lordship and your, your life, uh, our dear sister is struggling. So, Lord, touch her, and we give you thanks for being there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So, if you're looking for Jesus... We've got to find the king of glory. You know, I, I, always, um, I always feel this. And I, sometimes I, I feel like Jesus is my best friend. You know, he's my best friend. But it doesn't stop there. He died for me. He gave his life for me. But the scripture says... That he was obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. He died for us. Therefore, it says in Philippians 2, therefore, God has, God has exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my friend, but he's my savior. He's more than a friend. He's my deliverer. He paid the price for my stupidity and my sin. He delivered me from myself. So he's my friend, but he's more than a friend. He's the king of glory. Hebrews chapter 12 says that Jesus, for the, try to get this, for the joy set before him, right, endured the cross, despised the, the shame, Wow. So he saw beyond the cross, beyond the shame, beyond the hurt, beyond the beating. And he saw joy on the other side. That's amazing. But he endured the cross, despising the shame. Now he sat down at the right hand of God. Scriptures tell us that Jesus knew no sin. Scriptures say that having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who would obey him. We've got to find the king of glory. I was searching for this in the Old Testament. I came across Psalm number 24. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll read it to you. Psalm 24, starting at verse number 7. The psalmist says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. That's a poetic way of saying, people, people, lift up your heads, open your heart, see the Lord. And he says, the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? As you lift up your head, as you raise up your hands and open your heart, who is this king of glory? He says, the Lord, 
strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Can I tell you, church, there's no other name on earth, under heaven, by which man could be saved. It's the name and authority of Jesus. He's the king of glory. There's no other name. There's no other king. Now, we've had kings in our culture. Oh, we had the king of pop. We had the king of rock and roll. We had the king of the boxing ring. But they are so small in comparison to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is exalted. He sits at the right hand of God. He's waiting for the word of the Father to go back the second time. He's just waiting for that moment. And when he comes back, he won't be coming as a lamb. He'll be coming as a lion from the mighty tribe of Judah to execute justice on the world today. Are you ready for the King? He's coming. The king of glory is coming. The scripture tells us that when he comes, the trumpet of God will sound. The angel will shout. The dead in Christ will rise from the grave and meet their spirit in the air. And then we who are alive when he comes will be raptured up to be with him for all of eternity. Are you ready for that? Because the resurrection points to the second coming. He's coming again because he's alive. He's just waiting for the word from the father. Are you ready to receive the king of glory? I think this last video really depicts it pretty well. No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. 
There is no other king like him. There is no other king. The king of glory, hallelujah. You may hear about people calling themselves kings, but there's no king like Jesus. He's the king of glory. He's alive today. So in conclusion, who are you looking for? I trust that you're looking for Jesus. If you're looking for Jesus, run to that empty tomb and realize he's not there. He's alive today. When you're looking for Jesus, find him as the risen king. He's here today working through the Holy Spirit. And find the king of glory, exalted at the right hand of God, waiting for the command. Now's the time. Go get your bride. Are you ready, church? He's coming. He's coming. He's coming soon. I heard of someone preaching on the radio the other, other day, gave 12 reasons why he believed Jesus is coming soon. I won't go into it right now, but they were all great reasons. The world is so sin sick. It's crazy. Jesus is getting ready to come. I think Jesus might be glancing at the Father saying, now, now, now. And he's just waiting for the Father to say, now. Are you ready, church? He's going to come. He's going to come. Matthew 28, 6, the greatest scripture says, He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. He also said he's coming back, you know. So he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Can we say it together? He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Let's say it again. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. One more time, come on. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment before we get ready for communion today. Every head bowed, and I just want to uh, talk to you for a m- moment before we pray. But maybe there's somebody here today that, that uh, you may know all this. You know, we're so blessed in the Western world. Many people know the story of the cross. They know the resurrection story. They know it in their mind, but they don't know it in their heart. And so if you've heard it today and you feel like today's my day, I've got to surrender to this king of glory. I've got to get myself ready because he's coming back. I know the world is falling apart. I know Jesus is getting ready to come back. And today I want to make my peace with Almighty God. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to receive Jesus and renew my commitment to him that I made some time ago. Is there anyone like that today that feels like, I need a Savior? I I may have received him earlier, but I need a Savior today. Anyone like that at all? Raise your hand if that's you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you back there. All right. Anyone need to renew your commitment to the Lord? Renew your faith in God today. Listen, children, I'm speaking to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Children, I'm speaking to you. You're not too young. You're not, no one here is too young to find their peace with God. Banner ministry, wonderful. Thank you. But children, today is your day too. Jesus arose for you so that you could have a life filled with hope and promise. I want to ask you if there's anybody here, anyone else here, a couple of people raised their hand, maybe at home, some of you are at home, you just want to renew your commitment or just accept the Lord for the first time. We're going to pray in just a minute. Is there anybody else, young or old? 
I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Jesus is walking by. If you're looking for him, you could find him. Seize the moment. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this simple prayer with me today. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I need help. I've tried many times to find peace of mind. It eludes me every time. I've come to this place in my life today where I recognize Jesus Christ is the living Savior of the world. I believe in him that he died on a cross, he rose from the grave, he ascended into glory, and he promised to come back. And right now, I open up my heart. I ask this Jesus, come abide in my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and cause me to be born again into the kingdom of God. I thank you for it. In Christ's name. I'm going to pray now. Father, thank you, Lord, for this moment in this service. Thank you for those that raised their hands. Thank you for those at home that are responding to you, not to me, but to you. Your spirit is wooing us, calling us to surrender. Lord, we surrender. I want to pray, Lord, for everyone that said that prayer and meant it. Lord, may the presence of God fill their heart right now and let them know in their heart of hearts that you are with them. You are for them. You're not against anybody. You're for all of us. I pray, Lord, that the reality of Christ would burn in our hearts, not only as we partake of communion, but as we walk out these doors and face the day, let us have a conviction that Jesus is now living in me. So, Lord, let our lives make a difference. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're going to have communion. Uh, did everyone receive a little setup for communion? If you need one, uh, ushers, we, we may need some help up here. There's some in the middle. Anyone? Hallelujah. Can I just tell you, church, God is really good. God is really good. Any, any news? You can, those of you at home, by the way, if you can get a piece of bread or a cracker or something and uh, get a, a little cup of water, juice, coffee, whatever, something to drink, these are symbols of the Lord's body and blood. So if you're here, you can take off the top. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And by the way, children are invited to have communion today as well. The parents, you could, you know, evaluate that, but children are welcome to have communion if they want to. Anyone, anyone need a cup? Yeah? Uh, over here? Thank you. you know, Jesus said... Don't, let, don't forbid those children. Let the kids come to me. 
I'm not, I'm not going to get in the way of kids. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> Jesus loves kids. Amen. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. You get that? I received it and I gave it to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Can you see how the second coming is tied into the resurrection? And Good Friday. As we partake, we're declaring the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes back again. We're just going to pause for a minute and do a little bit of self-examination. The scripture goes on to say, let a person examine their heart before they partake of communion. So let's just take a minute to do that. Let's give thanks for the broken body of Christ. Lord God, Lord, what a a season we're in. Lord, there seems to be turmoil all around us. In every realm of life, there's turmoil. There's problems. There's tension. There's anxiety. But in the midst of all of that, we realize, Jesus, you came and gave your life to give us a way out of all of that. Give us a different perspective. So, Lord, as we hold this little piece of bread in our hands today, we're reminded of the body of Jesus. Jesus, you gave your body as a living sacrifice. You allowed your body to be whipped and beaten and bruised and sped upon the crown of thorns, and and you died. You took the punishment that we all deserve. You let us off the hook. And we want to thank you, Lord, 
As we partake of this bread today, we're reminded of the great price you paid. And in doing so, we're declaring your death until you come again. And we know you will come again. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together. pray for the cup. Lord Jesus, you said this is the cup of the new covenant in which there is forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Lord, we can say I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. No sin too great nor too small that your blood can't forgive. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price, something we could never, ever do. You're the perfect Lamb of God. And so, Lord, as we partake of the cup today, we're we're reminded of the blood of Jesus. We're reminded of this new covenant. We're reminded of forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, not only today, but, Lord, for the rest of our lives, let us live under the covering of the blood of Christ. We thank you, Jesus. And as we do, as we just read, we're proclaiming, Lord, your death until you come back again. So, Lord, as John said, Lord, come quickly. But we thank you for for your blood being poured out on Calvary, that we would be cleansed and forgiven in Christ's name. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we stand together? And um, as I pray over you today, uh, this is a special day for many families. And many of us will be getting together with family or friends when we leave here. Uh, There is no uh, prayer service tonight, as we said. But we want to commission you to go out wherever you go. If you're going to a restaurant, wherever. Be a witness for the Lord. You don't have to to preach a five-point sermon like somebody I know does, but you could just be a light. You could be kind. You could be gentle. You could say, hey, uh, I'll be praying for you. And if you have an opportunity, you can tell someone about Jesus. If we ask him to open up a door, he probably will. You know, he will do that. So let me pray for you, and then we'll go. Father, Lord God, thank you so much for this special day. Thank you for the children. Thank you for the families that allowed them to be a part of this special service today. Lord, may your blessing be upon these kids in a special way. Let them all realize this is all about them, too. They're included in the story. Thank you, Lord, for uh, everyone that's here, friend and family. Thank you, Lord, for the message that we preach. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel that we receive, that we stand in and that we're saved by. We pray, Lord, that we would be a living uh, epistle. Our lives would reflect the Christ that we serve as we go about our daily business. So, Lord, bless us this day. Let us leave here encouraged. 
We leave all of our issues with you. We look for your guidance and your direction, but we give you all thanks and all praise because ultimately you are alive and we thank you for that. We pray it all in the wonderful, powerful, matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody said, amen and amen. Well, God bless you.